1: this is a word a podcast from slate i'm your host jason johnson emmy nominated actor william jackson harper rose to fame on the good place playing everyone's favorite philosophy professor chidi
0: all right nerd want to learn something i'll teach you something i'm gonna teach you the meaning of life How you like them apples?
1: (laughs) Now, with a breakout role in Amazon's The Underground Railroad, William Jackson Harper tells us about making it in Hollywood and what it's like to be a black nerd icon. That's next on A Word with me, Jason Johnson. Stay with us. Welcome to A Word, a podcast about race and politics and everything else. I'm your host, Jason Johnson. The upcoming Amazon series, The Underground Railroad, brings to life the Pulitzer Prize-winning novel from Colton Whitehead. The result is an unflinching look at how slavery robbed black people of humanity, dignity, and how enslaved people fought to take it back. One of the breakout stars of the series is William Jackson Harper. Fans who know him as the terminally indecisive Professor Cheaty on The Good Place may be surprised by his new role as royal, a man dedicated to freeing his people by any means necessary. And William Jackson Harper joins us now. Welcome to A Word. Hey man, thanks so much for having me. Uh, we'll just start off at the beginning. So I, I've seen a lot of Underground Railroad uh, where you played a character named Royal. We're gonna play a short clip and I kinda wanna talk to you about who he is after listening to this.
0: Since wind is living and breathing and telling the land what is rightfully yours arrogance? I do appreciate your thoughts, Brother Minko. I will be sure to bear them in mind as I attend my
1: affairs. What actually drew you to this role? Because there's a lot of discussion now about, ah, do we want to do too much black trauma? Do we want another slave story? But you're also a working actor, so hey, it's an opportunity to work with Barry Jenkins. So, what drove you to this and what did you sort of want to put into this character royal
0: uh, yeah, I think the thing that really attracted me to royal, though is like just as I started to work on it and the thing that I really started to like about it was that um uh, you know this is in a lot of ways you know he's a freeborn man, and so the way in which he's a he's a, he's a ahead of his time um there's a code that he has that he lives by that society at large tells him he's not allowed to live by and he's not allowed to have and so um for me that was sort of the the starting point and the thing that I really latched onto and the thing that was really fun to play he's he's a resistance guy that felt really cathartic for me to
1: sort of dive into into those aspects of, of his character when you took on this role were you thinking about previous sort of slave narrative things that you had seen growing up did you did you look at at previous work or did you just sort of dig into writing? I know you're from Texas. Did you just like ask about, you know, historians from Juneteenth? Like, what did you dig into creatively to sort of create Royal?
0: A, I read the book. I read the the book Underground Railroad, which was something that I was like a little bit afraid to read it just because stories like that can be really triggering for me and I, can you know, get really upset. And, you know, the other part of it was just sort of, I guess, like, I, I I mean, I definitely read some narratives of enslaved people after they had freed themselves. And I think that was really sort of what I latched on to, rather than stories of enslaved people in, like, dealing with the institution of slavery, just because it was, um, you know, his his whole thing is, again, resistance. And so I I also felt like when it came to a lot of the movies that I saw as a kid and a lot of those stories that sort of dive into that particular aspect of black trauma, there's, there's something about it that's really more about endurance and waiting for the world to change. And um, not, not that every story was that, and there's always a a, a piece of resistance in it, but it's like the overall thing is that it's like, it's going to get better eventually. And this one is very much about Black people saying, hell no. Nah. I, I really wanted to find those things that sort of expressed that at the forefront more than just the, the trauma of, of slavery.
1: I've, I've taken a look at Underground. i watched most of the series. And whenever you have these sort of slave shows, there's always this question of like, well, Black people are going to see it one way, how the white folks going to see it. From your perspective, what's the different thing that, say, a white audience is going to get out of this story that may be different from black audiences who are watching it?
0: Well, you know, I don't want to get too much into, you know, predicting what someone will take from it. It is my hope, though, that white people, white audience members will look at this and then question who they would have been in this story. I think that we have this idea that everyone. Like we look back at the time of slavery and we, you know, all think that we would have been abolitionists and it's, that's just not true. You know, you can have all kinds of opinions um, and not act, you know, and I like, I mean, I, I do that to this day. There's things that I'm like, that's wrong. Someone should do something about it, but I'm not going to do anything about it. You know? um, and so it, it's my hope that people ask themselves some really tough questions and, push the conversation forward and like sort of just just realize that if you're just existing in the laws of the land and you're adhering to them and there's something unjust happening that the law allows and you're not going to fight that that says something about who you would have been in that time and like who are you now and so i think that's the thing that i'm hoping that the white audience has come away from this story with i think that with You know, with black audiences, it's my hope that they look at it as something that, uh, you know, this story is about resistance rather than endurance for me. I, I think that at its heart, it's really about a woman changing her life because she is going to change her life and the consequences
1: and what everyone says be damned we're going to take a short break. When we come back, more of our conversation with actor William Jackson Harper. This is A Word with Jason Johnson. Stay tuned. You're listening to A Word with Jason Johnson. Today, we're talking with actor William Jackson Harper. Most listeners are going to know you as playing Chidi on A Good Place. Uh, in the scene we're going to hear right now, he's walking through the park and he's having an existential crisis. I want you to listen to this, we'll talk about it on the other side.
0: Hey, you wanna to talk to God? God is dead. God remains dead and we have killed him. Who will wipe this blood off us? What festivals of atonement, what sacred games shall we have to invent? Frederick Nietzsche, 1882.
1: I was just trying to sell you some drugs, and you made it weird. Look, Achita was one of my favorite characters in all TV history. And look, most people at at any point in their career don't play a character that becomes this important. What did you do to prepare for this guy? Uh, Okay,
0: so that was one of those things that, you know, when we... Were initially, when they were initially casting for the show and I auditioned for it, I didn't know what the whole premise of the show was until I got the job. And then you know, Mike Schur called me into his office and was just like, hey, those, uh, those audition materials that you got, that has nothing to do with what we're doing on the show, so I'm going to tell you what it is. And so when it came to preparing for it, there's no way that you can garner any real understanding of philosophy in a month. And, and so, like, the, the thing that sort of started to take over was the, the indecision and the, the neurotic nature of, of, of Chidi and, you know, like, just general lack of confidence in his own decisions. Like, it, it, it really just became about the relationships that he forged with, you know, the other humans and, you know, the demons and, you know, in, in the good place. And, um, you know... Honestly, I would read the Wikipedia article of every concept that we were discussing before we did the episode, just so I could feel like I kind of understand it. But if I tried to read any academic articles, I was just like, OK, I got nothing. I don't understand a single word of what I just read. It sounds as if everyone just writes and then contradicts himself. And there's some there's supposed to be some conclusion there. And I I miss it. Um, But usually someone much smarter than me breaks it down and puts it on Wikipedia so so dummies can catch it. And that that
1: was that was me. I saw you as sort of like the evolutionary result of all the black nerdy guys on TV, like Raj from What's Happening, Steve Urkel, Family Matters. And we get to Dwayne Wayne. Um, And I'd even say like your contemporary Richard Splett, who was on Veep, that was kind of run at the same time. I have Funko Pops of both of you. You know, I, like, did you see yourself as that? Did you see yourself as like, oh, I'm the next, like, cool, nerdy black dude that people are going to pay attention to? Or were you just sort of absorbed in the role and didn't find that out, I guess, until you were talking to people after the show became kind of a, a cult classic and a hit? I didn't really think about it all that much. I think it's I think it's
0: definitely the latter. I just feel honored to be counted among those dudes that played those characters. I feel like it's one of those things that, it pops up a lot and this type of dude exists in the world like a lot and you encounter this guy a lot, especially dudes like me. Nerdy dudes encounter other nerdy dudes and there's a kindred spirit and it's like, yo, right, you. Right, know? exactly, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I feel like it's not common to see that guy on TV. There's something about these characters that make me feel seen and feel very comfortable And it's taken me a long time to sort of be more comfortable in my own skin. But I realized that I, you know, it just makes me feel a little more at home uh, to 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 have these guys on TV. And it's really great to have contributed in some way to one of those characters that hopefully other nerdy black dudes out there can see and be like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. And that's me and my group of friends
1: right there. This was think piece to death. So famous Chidi takes a shirt off scene, right? And I know you've been interviewed about that 50,000 times, but I'm curious from your perspective, like when you did that, was it something like, well, dude, like I work out anyway because I'm an actor and I have to be in good shape. Did you see it as this sort of contrast to this sort of outward nerd thing? Because you got a lot of attention for that, which in a lot of ways you seem really shocked by the sort of, oh, he's the low key hot nerd thing.
0: Yeah, bro. All that—that th- that was all fear. Me working out is exclusively about me trying not to get made fun. Of. Right. You know, like I've always, like I've always been made fun of for my appearance. And like, there's this kid that like uh, I went to high school with, and he used to call me the head detective because I had a big <laughs> forehead, and people used to just make, you know, make fun of me for how I looked and all that stuff. And then um, yeah, it's like I, I have in the last ten years started to work out more and. You know, when I read that script where you know, you know, Chidi gets hit with sprinklers and takes his shirt off and then goes to the grocery store shirtless, I was just like, that was just terror. I read that, script and I was just terrified. I was like, no, 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 I don't want to. I don't want to. I was like, I'm the dude that would like go swimming in an ocean Pacific t shirt. Like that's me. So like, I, I, yeah, I was like scared of doing it. Um, so for me, it wasn't it wasn't like, Oh, this will be a great moment. It was the goal was to not have anyone make fun of me. And then when it was like, there was positive attention around it, that blew my mind because I was really fully prepared for a lot of people being like, what's wrong with that dude? What's wrong with that? You know, like, and when it wasn't that I was just like, shocked. So there was no game plan of like, Oh, this is gonna be great. It was more like, Just don't get your feelings hurt. Just face your fears and get over it. And then the result was very, very different from what I expected.
1: We're going to take a short break. we come back, more of our conversation with actor William Jackson Harper. This is A Word with Jason Johnson. Stay tuned. You're listening to A Word with Jason Johnson. Today we're talking with actor William Jackson Harper. So I watched We Broke Up last night. And you play Doug, a guy who spent a third of his life with a woman who's not sure she wants to commit. We're going to play a clip from that film, and then we're going to take it to a larger question. So get ready. We're, we're about to play a clip right now from We Broke Up. What are you doing over there? Well, I thought that was a
0: plan. The we're still together? You were literally making vacation plans with my grandparents. I'm oh, just trying to put on a good show. This is my life.
1: These are my people. You don't have to deal with them after this weekend. I do.
0: You're right. I'm sorry. Okay?
1: Every time somebody does sort of these romantic comedies, they're always sort of asked, oh, did you have sort of a personal experience with this, et cetera, et cetera. You're married. Did you ask your single friends (laughs) when you were sort of preparing for this role of of what their experience is like? Because this... Obviously, hasn't been you in a long time. You know, it's it's funny actually. All right, so I'm
0: not technically married. I'm yeah. actually just I'm me and me and my my partner have been together for uh, nine years almost. Um, but yeah, we're not married because we're both like re- refuse to be real grown ups, I guess. But I mean, it's <laughs> like uh, I've not been single for a very long time. But I do know what it is to be in a long term relationship that ends. I, I think the thing. That I loved about the script and the thing that felt very real was that it was not necessarily that the love was gone, but it was just two adults that wanted different things and they just hadn't talked about them. Like, I feel like, you know, the common thing in a rom-com in this sort of scenario would be there would be some massive betrayal or huge misunderstanding where one person's totally justified in ending the relationship and either they come back together or that one, one or both go off and find someone new. Um, I think that there's something about I really love you, but the thing you want is not the thing I want. And I don't know how we continue like this. That feels more familiar to me in my life and relationships that I've witnessed end or relationships that I've been in that have have ended. And so um, I I guess that I understand good. I mean, I think that in a lot of ways like Doug and Laurie are uh, like essentially just a long-term couple. They haven't been single in so so long. Right, since they were
1: kids. High yeah. school basically. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, you know, it's like there's in a way there's not like a like the single perspective on it. It wouldn't it wouldn't have felt like the right perspective to go into the character from. I think that Going in from a person's perspective that has been in a long-term relationship and what did, what happens when that falls apart, but it's not falling apart because you want it to. That felt more in the groove of of what their uh, relationship
1: was. And a lot of these movies that you've been in, like We Broke Up and Midsummer and to a certain extent The Good Place, like. You're the lone black guy around a bunch of white folks. And I'm curious, like, when you were growing up in Texas, like, were you that guy? Were you the only black guy in the theater group? Were you the only black guy in the arts club? And does that inform some of the things or, or some of the ways that you're able to be that comfortable in these environments? Or is it just it was just random?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely was like the only black dude in certain certain circles. Um, it wasn't always like that, but it was definitely. You know, in theater, you know, in my high school, there weren't a whole lot of black kids doing theater. They would be in the classes with with me, but, I mean, it wouldn't be, like, in the extracurriculars. It was very, very small participation, and I'm not uncomfortable around large groups of white people. I, I will admit to a wariness, though, just because, I don't know, in my experience, there was a moment where all of a sudden, like, my blackness in a white space became very salient and became kind of a thing. It's like somewhere around middle school things started to shift and you're just like, what is, why? Like all of a sudden people are saying weird things and and, and doing and behaving in ways that are just like a little bit off. And I'm just sort of like, okay, um, for me, what it did is like it just sort of made me be a little bit more back footed in certain ways, just because I'm not trying to have a fight or get my feelings hurt and, you know, because you'll just get people
1: will surprise you with some weird stuff that comes out of their mouth. I'm a huge comic guy, and you just did a narration for a Black Panther audiobook. Were you like a comic guy growing up, or did you sort of come to it through cartoons and, and, and the big Marvel movies, or were you a guy that was actually going to a spinner rack in 1987 on your bike and, and picking up the latest issue of Spider Man?
0: I was. Okay, so I. Wasn't a huge comics guy as a little kid. That was more like the cartoons. And I tried to get into comics pretty heavily when I was uh, like sort of middle school, high school. But yeah, I am one of those people that goes in and comes out and goes in and comes out. Um, The thing that I like about comics is the story can be like a whole lot of, you know, fistfights and craziness. But then it can also really dive in some, you know, issues of grief and acceptance. And when you have like two or three issues of people just kind of figuring out where they are and who they are, I'm just like a total nut for all the Marvel material and all the movies and all that
1: stuff. You're at a point now professionally where you've got a hit TV character, you went to the Emmys, you wore a a Good Trouble shirt, you're, you're getting known. I mean, you weren't in a pandemic, you get recognized walking up and down the street. When you have time to think about it, do you think you're black famous or white famous? Oh, man. I. <laughs> bro, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I have not. I just haven't thought about it because the thing is, it's like I live in New York where it's like no one cares, you know? And so it's like, it, I guess there's like, there's a weird sort of bubble in a way where, it, you know, I just feel like a normal dude all the time and every now and again things get weird where someone will recognize me from something. There's also just so much content that it, I feel like you know famous is for like the folks that are in those Marvel movies, you know, like those you know those those folks everyone sees it. It's a thing, you know, but there's like a lot of TV and uh, and, and a lot of indies that get made. And so there's just, you know, a lot of people that are somewhat public, but it's smaller
1: groups that are watching those things. This has been actor William Jackson Harper. He is starring in the Amazon series The Underground Railroad and the romantic comedy We Broke Up. William Jackson Harper, thanks so much for talking to me on A Word today. Hey, man. Thanks so much for having me. And that's A Word for this week. If you're enjoying A Word, please subscribe, rate, and review. Did you know you could be listening to this show ad-free? All it takes is a Slate Plus membership. It's just $1 for the first month, and it also helps us keep making our podcast. Sign up now at slate.com slash a word plus. The show's email is a word, at slate.com. This episode was produced by Ayana Angel and Jasmine Ellis. Asha Saluja is the managing producer of Podcasts at Slate. Gabriel Roth is Slate's editorial director for audio. Alicia Montgomery is the executive producer of Podcasts at Slate. June Thomas is senior managing producer of the Slate Podcast Network. Our theme music was produced by Don Will. I'm Jason Johnson. Tune in next week for a Word.